series. Last week, Billy started about how we can be rich in love. Today, be rich by the way we serve. And next week, be rich in the way we give. Um, But don't we all know that there can be an intention to do something, but then doing something often requires something else. You know, it's hard sometimes. It's easy to say, I want to love people. It's sometimes hard to love people. You know, and this, when we actually put this into practice, it comes to say, do, will we love people? Will we serve people? Tonight, there is a very special sporting event happening. Um, yeah, the Super Bowl. Oh, no, no. Not the, and it, it is the final of the African Cup of Nations. And um, there may be some nations within our church family who need to be rich in love um, to one another. Uh, Nigeria are playing... Uh, the Ivory Coast, and, I, <laughs> and I've also heard that, because um, I share an office with a Ghanaian, that Ghanaians also need to be rich in love because they don't, they want the Ivorians to win. So anyway, we need to be rich in love, not just say it, but do it. Um, t- Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Last week, Billy started our series, and there was something as he was talking that really grabbed my attention. And it was, he was talking about place. And he particularly was talking about the place of Ephesus. And as we talk about serving today, I want us to look through that lens of place. See, the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy, who was leading a church in Ephesus. And Billy shared that Ephesus was a place of influence, of affluence. It was a place of riches, of physical, worldly riches. And so Paul tells this young, shy, sickly leader, Timothy, to, in that context, be rich, not by getting rich, but by being rich in good deeds and be willing to share and being generous, which would have been opposite to the culture of the day. Don't try and get rich, Paul says. Be rich. And this idea of place, Ephesus, really captured my, um, my thoughts this week because I think it's so relevant to us today. We all live in places. We all play in places. We all work in places. Timothy's was Ephesus. And so right at the beginning of today, I want you to think about the places that you live, work, and play. Where are your places? Because I believe God has placed you there. Where are your places? Where do you inhabit? Where do you move? Where does your time take you? Where are your places? Before we moved to Milton Keynes um, in 2020, we lived in a place in Essex called Brentwood. And Brentwood, I think a little bit like Ephesus, was known as being quite an affluent place. Um, It was a commuter town into London, and there was a lot of wealth on show in Brentwood. Um, it was a place where you, I, I really fit in there because, you know, things like The Only Way as Essex was filmed there, you know, really classy place. Um, and Vicky had grown up there. I moved there. I felt called there to that place. 
And in 2010, two years after we got married, Vicky and I were going, this, is, this place is expensive. And we were looking about how we could build family and how we could maybe find somewhere to live in Brentwood. And we were looking to try and buy somewhere. We'd been renting for a while. And it was hard. It was looking at the prices, looking at what was available. And we were like, where do we start? But after lots of saving and some generosity from the bank of mum and dad, um, we were so chuffed to be able to be in a place where we put a deposit down on our first, on our house. And I remember that feeling of, ah, wow, this is, I never thought we'd be able to do this. And so we had a two-bedroom masonette overlooking a dual carriageway. It was noisy, but it was home. And we were so happy in our first proper home together. Not long after that, um, we, the royal we, found out that we were having twins. And so this two-bedroom masonette that felt spacious, that was amazing, that was clean, welcomed two babies into it, nappies, bottles, toys. And then 22 months later, another child. And so we'd moved into this this flat, just the two of us. And then 22 months later, there were five of us. And this thing that we'd been so content with, we were starting to get a bit like, oh, it's a bit small, isn't it? This thing we were so happy with, it was like, how oh, we could do with something bigger and better. And so we, we devised ways to try and get rich so we could move up the housing ladder. And anyway, long story short, we were, through lots of generosity and miracles, we were able to eventually moved to a house, a three-bed council terraced house. It was great. It was home. The kids grew up. But quickly, we became discontent with that. Even though it had everything we'd put on our list of things we'd like. But at a time, the, um, the house started showing signs of age. And as the kids got up, they got into friendship groups. And we found that like, it seemed like everyone else that we knew, the parents of the other children, had so much money. You know, on, on Monday, their kids were doing swimming. On Tuesday, it was football. On Thursday, on Wednesday, it was dance. On Thursday, it was equestrian. Uh, and, then, and then they had these lavish kids' parties. And so this feeling, we'd been so content with this, kind of became a bit of discontent. And then we, we started looking at other people and going, oh, what if we had that? You know, comparison steals your joy. And actually, we had to, throughout that time, regularly, and being honest today, regularly, come back to a place where we go, no, God provided this. God did this. God has always been faithful. We believe he will. And we had to check our hearts on numerous occasions because we so easily, we so easily, and I believe we can so easily, fall into the trap that Paul is talking to Timothy about, of this get-rich mentality, this get-get-get mentality. Paul says it like this to Timothy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out. But if we've got food and clothing, we will be content. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, 
and into many foolish and harmful desires. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Will we be a people who seek to get rich, hoard, build, build our own empires, or be rich with all that God has given us? Paul warns that the get rich mentality is a trap. And I think if we've been around this for long enough, we kind of know it's a trap. We know that if we try and get more, there's always more to get. The, the finish line, the aim is always moving. You know, it really struck me this week as I dug into this passage, and I'm building a little bit on what Billy was saying last week. So some of this may seem like repetition. Um, <clears throat> but Billy t- spoke a little bit about that really famous scripture, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And the word for the love of money he was saying last week actually is, is this Greek word called philagoria. That's probably not very well pronounced. Um, and really, a bit more than just the love of money, it's about coveting. It's about wanting what others have. It's about greed. It's about trying to get, get, get. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. What's quite interesting to me as I dug into it this week is there's another word which is quite similar to this word philagoria. And it, you'll probably recognize it. It comes from the same root, and it's philanthropia. Okay, Greek word, philanthropia, where we get our word philanthropy. And philanthropy is, um, is associated with words like kindness and benevolence and generosity. But where the the word philagoria, love of money, leads to coveting, getting, hoarding. Philanthropy, which actually just means the love of mankind or the love of people, leads to kindness, benevolence, giving, serving. And I thought that was a beautiful picture. Will we be a people who go after coveting? Or kindness. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. Let me take you back to that question where are your places? You see, if we're going to be a people who serve, we have to start with that love of people. So the question is a bit bigger than where are your places. The question is, who are the people in the places where God has placed you to be? So think about place, and now think about people. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Who are the people in your work life? Who are the people in your social groups that God has placed you alongside, where you can be rich in good deeds in those places? And then the next question is this. What will you do to serve God and then to serve others in those places and with those people? Be rich in good deeds. Why? Why should we? We often talk about service from this platform. It's one of our values. We are saved to serve. And we believe that every follower of Jesus Christ 
has been given gift, a heart, abilities, personality and experiences that uniquely position you in the places and with the people who you do life with so that you can serve and that so you can show Jesus to them. Will you serve in those places that God has placed you? Why? We're called to be a light in our world. I loved that um, Sharon said, I'm the colorful one. Fantastic. What if we were all the colorful ones in our world? Shining brightly that others may see Jesus. Matthew 5.16 says it like this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Why should we serve? Because when we go into our world as a light, People will see our good deeds. They'll see our service. And we ask God that they wouldn't just see our service and say, they're a really good person. But they'd see our service and see and glorify our Father in heaven. That's why we serve. Why do we serve? Because we as Jesus followers are called to follow the example of Jesus himself. Who when his followers were tussling for power and position, get, get, get. He said, wait, I came. The one who could have had everything, did have everything, went from his heavenly throne to earth. I came not to be served, but to serve. In fact, the Bible says, just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Out of love, he didn't come to get, get, get and build an earthly kingdom. He came to give, give, give and ultimately gave his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus himself showed what it looked like to serve in his death, in that sacrificial act, but also in his life. Who, as a rabbi and a teacher and a master and a person holding a level of authority, when his disciples came to him, he knelt down and he washed their feet. He did the unthinkable. He turned the tables and said, no, I'm not high enough. I'm not um, too big. I'm not too um, important to serve you. And he washed their feet. And in John 13, We read, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so you should wash others. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done. Now that you you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Why should we serve? Because as we do, we follow the example of Jesus. We become apprentices of Jesus. We live out following Jesus. We do as he did. And thirdly, why should we serve? Because we're not just called to have a faith that makes us feel great and gives us a ticket to heaven. We're called to have a faith in Jesus that is alive and expresses itself in action. James 2 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Why serve? 
Because when I do, I, I give proof and authenticity to what I say I live by, to what I say I believe. That's why we serve. But before we get on to what could I do to serve or how should I serve, I think we need to ask a question of the heart because service requires a change of posture of our hearts. And the first change of posture is this. From a human nature that is very selfish to a life that is selfless. Let me ask you this. Are you for Milton Keynes? And some of you might not live in Milton Keynes, but we're in Milton Keynes. You might want to replace that with Leighton Buzzard, Buckingham, Bedford, um, Dunstable, and other places. But are you for the place where God has placed you? Are you? Let me explain this and explore this a bit. You see, we live in a wonderful town called Newport Pagnell. No one else. Okay. Um, And I was reading a few documents the other day, and I found our parish council council tax bill. Okay? So it's like the breakdown of how the money that I'm taxed is used in my town. It's, it's, and they give a bit more detail than the, the, the yearly council tax bill. So I was obviously bored one day because I was reading my bill and I became a bit indignant because there was this pie chart on the back of where all my money goes. And I found out that every year at least two pounds of my money goes to dog poo bins. And I was like, why am I? Why should I? contribute to dog poo bins because I'm not an animal lover. I'm probably never going to have a dog. Why should I contribute to dog poo bins? Not only that, I found out I contribute £3.62 to the provision of a community website, £3 to allotments and over £5 to the provision of public toilets. Why should I contribute to things that don't benefit me? And then, (laughs) and then, I was challenged because I started to change my perspective. And it, I think it was a, a bit of a God moment because I thought, well, you're just thinking selfish, selfishly. What if you think the other way around? What if someone else reads that bill and maybe they don't have a family or their children have grown up and moved on and they, they kind of look at it and say, why should I contribute to youth services? Why should I contribute to play areas? Or maybe for the, um, the urban, urbanites, is that a word, amongst us, you might say, why should I contribute to the town's horticultural show? But you see the heart there. It's like this, why should I do that? Why should my wealth, my possessions, contribute to something else? And that's a, can I say, a from... Milton Keynes' perspective. What can I get from this place? Rather than a for Milton Keynes' perspective, what can I give to this place? How can I love this place? How can I serve this place? And that's what I loved about the interview this morning. It's three people who had this, heard this information about YMCA and then went, we could do something. We could go and serve. Let's do it together. 
And let's go and try and make a difference in this place because we're for Milton Keynes. We need to change from this human nature that is inherently selfish to becoming more selfless. And I believe we do that when we rediscover compassion. It's a change of heart. There's a beautiful verse in Matthew 14. When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. When you go out into Milton Keynes or wherever your places are and you see people, are you moved with compassion for them? Because compassion moves us. Compassion stirs us to action. Compassion is a, this awareness, this maybe sympathy of the, the suffering, the needs, the difficulties of others, accompanied by a desire to alleviate, to help, to serve. So are you for Milton Keynes? Are we as a church for Milton Keynes? Do we really believe that we can make a difference in our city by each one of us shining brightly, being colourful into our worlds? Do we believe it? Are we for the place that God has placed us in? You know, if I grow in the nature of Christ and become more selfless, and I grow as he did and become compassionate about the people and the places he's placed me, I think then we can ask, how or what do I do? Because we'll be moved to action. So how can you serve your places? How can you serve Milton Keynes? What can you do? What good deeds can you go that's me. I can make a difference in this place. I can make a difference in this person's life. Not for my glory, but for his. You know, many of us do this already. And we would really love to hear, as Arlene said, of all the ways you currently serve. It could be small things, like putting the stuff away after your football team, like I do. It could be going into a specific place, like in the prison, to serve. It could be something you do in the, your daily rhythm of life. We'd love, really, we'd love to hear who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Why? Because I think if we hear that, we'll start to see that as a church, as individuals, and then as a church, we can and do make an impact in our city. That we do go into our world and shine like stars. That we do be a light into our world. And then I believe we will see that the church of Jesus Christ can make an impact where it is placed. And then finally... You know, sometimes it feels like I can't do much. But together, we can do a lot. And I really want to encourage you and ask you next week, um, as we take an offering for Be Rich for the MKCC Crisis Fund, I might not be able to do a lot, but I can, I can give a tenner. And... Last, last year, £14,000 came into that fund and has gone to make a big difference to serve our city. We can make a big difference that I couldn't do just with my tenor. We can make an impact in this place. We can serve our city.
and follow the example of Jesus and shine brightly in our world and be people whose faith is not just something we say or or live privately, but we live out and we accompany with good deeds. Will we be a people who are for Milton Keynes? We can. Will we? Fueled by selfless love and compassion, let's go out to serve the people and the places where God has positioned us. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the stories of people who are putting into action what you have asked them to do. And God, I sense you're you're stirring something in us today to go out and to serve just as you came to serve, not to be served. God, where we have been selfish and had a get-rich mentality, we we lay it down before you and we want to reflect your likeness and grow in compassion. And as we do, Lord, use us in this world to shine brightly, that others may see our good deeds and glorify you and you alone, for there is no other name in Jesus' name. Amen.